0: Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles, I'm your host Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's gonna get weird, as always. Hey, welcome back, my Gen X friends and even non-Gen Xers. Hey, I appreciate all those who've been listening to the podcast. I just want to say a a quick thank you. Um, I record these not on a regular schedule, but just sporadically whenever I feel like I have something interesting to talk about uh, or from time to time have an interesting guest. So uh, for those of you who follow this on a regular basis, thanks so much. Uh, I do appreciate it. And for those of you who have been following along, on my Substack, stack uh, again. Thanks so much. I appreciate everybody uh, following along. Make sure you hit subscribe on that too. Cause that's a, it's a free thing unless you want to have the, uh, um, the uh, monthly or, or annual subscription where you can pay it's, it's like 50 bucks a year or five bucks a month. Um, so yeah, thank you though. Uh, for those of you who have uh, subscribed and those paid subscribers, I really appreciate that too. I don't make any money off any of this stuff. I, I do appreciate um, just having a venue, really, to kind of share short stories and, and writing prompts on Substack, random thoughts on culture, um, just fun things to to add, you know, and and the same here with the podcast with the Gonzo Chronicles. So I wanted to talk a little bit about today. I heard somebody say something on TV a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's so 90s. And then I thought, yeah, what's wrong with that? The 90s were pretty freaking cool. So, um, since uh, I was on a podcast not long ago, uh, Father Mahoney's House of Horrors, we actually, a couple times, we've uh, been reviewing movies, like uh, horror movies from the 80s. So I thought, you know what, what movies are out there that perfectly capture the 90s? And I have a list here, actually I made a list, and then some of them are kind of underrated. But um, so let me get to some of these underrated ones first. I know it's kind of a cutesy, I don't know, fun, like love story, but You've Got Mail is so perfectly 90s. Um, because I remember when uh, America Online first got kind of popular and everybody was using it, that phrase, You've Got Mail, uh, was always kind of cool. So they made a movie, You've Got Mail. Tom Hanks and um, uh, Meg Ryan. Right, so they were in that. It was a cute movie. It's a fun little movie, actually. A lot of people don't think about this, but Dave Chappelle was in that movie. Yes, Dave Chappelle. So anyway, um, if you got nothing to do and it's a weekend, you got an hour and a half to kill, it's probably worth watching. It's a fun movie, but um, I thought that was kind of underrated as being a '90s movie, like to define what the '90s were or perfectly capture that time. Um, Empire Records. One of my favorite movies from the 90s. That was very underrated. Uh, didn't do great at the box office. But again, good, fun film filled with all kinds of cool music. And I'm going to talk specifically about a couple of movies on here. Uh, one in particular. Um, and that's going to be the movie The Craft. So, uh, Feruza Balk, who played uh, one of the lead roles in The Craft, she was actually in Empire Records. I'll get into that in a little bit. One of my favorite movies from the 90s, Pump Up the Volume. I don't know how many of you have seen that, but Christian Slater was perfect in this movie. Uh, I, For the first time uh, last week, I actually watched the movie Heathers. Never had seen it. I don't know how such a dark comedy got past me. But anyway, great film. I don't know what year it was made, but awesome film. But Pump Up the Volume, if you ever get an opportunity to watch that, that had such great music in it, alternative rock music. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a good rebellion film, and rebelling against, you know, clashes of generations. You know, Gen Xers, and uh, and the and I guess you know Boomers, you know, Boomer generation, and uh, the clash of values, and the changing values. So it was a really interesting, fun film. I thought that really perfectly captured the '90s. This guy runs a pirate radio station out of his basement. And manages to elude capture because that's illegal, according to the Federal Communications Commission. And he is really rattling a lot of cages. So he's like a shock jock uh, at home at night. And uh, he's like the new kid in town. And nobody knows who this cool new shock jock is. But yet all the students there at this high school are now listening to him. Cool film. Perfectly defines the 90s. Another one that I really liked. Actually, I was listening to the uh, the, uh, soundtrack. I have it in the car now. So uh, The Faculty, that had a really great soundtrack. This was kind of an era when I think coming into like the end of the 90s when this is when soundtracks started sort of dying. And I don't know why, because when you have a good movie, good music goes along with it. Uh, The music and the scoring really embellishes the theme and the characters, Um. You don't hear much about great soundtracks anymore, but again, good soundtrack. The movie, The Faculty, it's kind of like that alien invasion in the small town, and the misfit kids have to stop it. So it's very fun, very rock and roll. I don't even know if it's rock and roll, just like alt rock. But it's really good film. Check it out. Uh, American Pie. Everyone knows American Pie, of you know, kind of coming of age story for Gen Xers. Um, Airheads. That was I think that was early on in the 90s but really great film. But anyway, some of the other films that were out there that actually defined the 90s or perfectly captured the 90s. Early on in the decade, this is kind of, this might be a head scratcher and people might think, well, no, I don't think so, but Basic Instinct. Yeah, that one. The one with Sharon Stone. <laughs> and the infamous uh, crossing her legs scene. Um but that was yeah that was a very intense movie um it was like a modern day version i I guess if I want to talk about the intensity and the the visceral feel of the movie almost had like that feel of the birds all the characters the way they were so straightforward and taut with each other um just in that way alone was very intense but the murders that were happening uh behind the scenes and who the murderer actually was very intense scene very intense movie um but you know that was one of those things i think early on in the 90s set the tone for a lot of darker edgier films throughout the rest of the decade um hackers was another great one you know i I was thinking about hackers and that one had Angelina Jolie in it. And I forgot the uh, the guy's name that was in it. But um, he, uh, anyway, this this movie, I don't think this movie would have ever been made if it wasn't for the movie War Games in the 80s, where um, uh, the guy who played Ferris Bueller, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on names today. But anyway, War Games is a great film, but it was about how uh, this computer simulated war game almost started World War Three. And here we are in a, you know, and it was, the whole point of it was like, we're afraid of the new technology. The the new technology could be the boogeyman if we don't control it. Same thing with hackers. All this technology and the ability to touch things, we better make sure the good guys have it and are smarter than the bad guys. Because when you get that kind of power in the hands of bad people or in the hands of a computer that has no soul, bad things are going to happen. So I think that was the whole point of hackers um in the nineties because you had just a lot of the you know, the the you know, this new I guess revolution in technology that was coming along. We've had computers for a long, long, long time, but you know, the, the internet was coming of age. Um, people were it was very easy for people to get their identity stolen digitally and technologically now, you know, through the through the internet and um just really kind of a kind of a crazy movie, but it's a fun movie. So, um, yeah, had Angelina Jolie and yeah that dude in it. <laughs> Actually, one of the guys that was in that movie was in the movie Scream. He was the guy who played Stu. Um, another great film from the nineties, and you're gonna think, hey, wasn't this the eighties? But no, it was the nineties. Wayne's World, and you know the thing I really like about the theme of Wayne's World why this is perfectly nineties. And and just it captured that decade or a good part of it. It was you know Wayne and Garth. It was a funny slapstick movie. We all laughed. Um, we all remember the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody scene. But really, you know, when you get down to it, it's about the these two characters, Wayne and Garth, that were being prodded by this rich guy to actually change the show, do a whole new format, and the theme is. Yeah, to me it was like selling out versus staying authentic, and I think that theme itself uh, was found a lot in how the music changed in the '90s, especially after all the hair bands, you know, the hair metal, and everybody started sounding the same, and every album started sounding the same. Not there. I mean, there were a lot of great hair band music. I still listen to that stuff to this day. But you know, when everything starts to sound the same, when the industry kind of gets their hands on musicians and controls the art and the artist, that's sort of what you get because they want to be able to control and predict sales. And, you know, with artists, that's not always the point. Um, and uh, but selling out versus staying authentic, I think it was, it was a hell of a theme early in the 90s that uh, changed things throughout the decade. You know, you, you could just see that theme through the entire decade. Um, clerks. All right, this... This has to be a top five Gen X movie. This is a movie in all of its slacker glory. So if you haven't seen Clerks, it was an independent film at the time, which I think set the tone for a lot of independent film in the 90s and then all the way through to today. Um, Kevin Smith was the director in the, uh, in the I guess he, you know, this was his brainchild, Clerks and then Ball Rats, Chasing Amy. <clears throat> um, I guess with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, this, is, this was a great movie. This was the movie that kicked all of that off. And if you haven't had a chance to see it, it's in black and white, but there's only so much you can do with the amount of money you have. Great film. To- it's, it perf- the, the characters and the dialogue is so 90s that um, it's going to be It's fun. I think it's fun for any generation. One of my favorite movies, I think, that perfectly captured the 90s was a movie called Singles. And uh, that was... That was kind of like that uh, young professionals, you know, it was kind of, kind of like, uh, I guess I want to say the St. Almost fire of the 90s, because you had a different scene, this takes place in Seattle, so this was the beginning of all the grunge music, and you know, that that big craze that happened in, in the music industry, and how these people are living their lives there, these, these young professionals that are passionate about what they do, and then how they meet, and how life changes, and you know, it was, it was just a good, good movie. I think that really captured a time and a place. Uh, Pulp Fiction was another great one. The Matrix, uh, Clueless was a great movie. I think defined the '90s. I mean, it really captured that feel uh, at that time. Uh, reality bites. You know, these people graduate in college and go on their own separate ways. So, what do they do? They they start rec- video recording. You know, so many things, their thoughts and. Fears and you know just things about life, and it was it was a really great movie. Uh, Goodwill Hunting came out of the late nineties. So did The Big Lebowski. Talk about that slacker glory, right? Um, there were so many big hits in the nineties that I don't necessarily captured the feel of the nineties, but you had Armageddon that was so big back then, and of course Titanic came out in the nineties. Uh, Independence Day, huge blockbuster films. Uh, the Jurassic Park films. But, you know, those. even though those are huge blockbusters, I don't know if you really capture the culture and the times and the youth in those. And a couple of them, you know, there, there was some that came out that really stand out. Um, and like three or four really that stand out to me. Uh, Scream, because that came out in 1996. That's, I think that sort of relaunched uh, the horror genre. After it had died, a, a gruesome death in the late 80s right in early like early 90s, maybe 1991, because I guess everything was slasher and it just got stale and cookie cutter, kind of like some of the music was. And then I know what you did last summer came out in 1997. Great film. and of course, you know scream and I know what you did last summer, they had their sequels. Those are all great. But, you know, a couple that really stand out, um, you know, like Scream and and I know you did last summer, was Fight Club and then The Craft. How many of you remember The Craft from 1996? All right. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, The Craft was a really, really good, good film. Uh, Had these four young girls, high school girls who were uh, experimenting or were Wiccan. Right. So it's sort of like brought on this craze of Wicca and people being interested in witchcraft and dark witchcraft, light witchcraft, whatever. But it really, really made such a mark that it's still around to this day. And if it wasn't for that movie, that show Charmed would never have been around. In fact, the movie, the show, a TV show Charmed stole the music like one of the songs from the movie The Craft and used it as their, uh, their uh, intro music and closing so, how, how kind of cool is that, right? But I want to talk a little bit about, like, let's talk about some little known facts about this movie, The Craft. You know, it's, um, I guess, 10 years after the fact that you had, uh, like, what was that movie? The Lost Boys, right? You had these baddies, these four bad boy vampires that are just out having a good time and all that. You know, I guess the guys got to have their fun in that movie, but you know, I guess the '90s—it was time for the—I guess the gals to have a little fun. So that's the craft was sort of like, to me, the uh, the Lost Boys of the '90s, but for but for girls. So just my humble opinion. Now, Faruza Balk, she was the one um, uh, who was like the bad girl of all the uh, all of them in there, Nancy, right? And a lot of people said in real life uh she had a real life interest in witchcraft and that she was a genuine Wiccan, right? According to 80skids.com. I found this on 80skids.com. Um it was I guess they even thought that that she was uh even her co-stars, I guess in interviews had said they thought she was Wiccan. The thing is, that bookstore that was in that movie, uh, that was actually used in several different movies, that very location. Um but she ended up buying that bookstore. So now she owned a bookstore. And then a lot of people thought, well, hey, she, it has to be true. She goes in and buys the country's oldest occult bookshop. So when somebody actually got around to asking her, this was nothing, 2016 or 2017, and this is a quote from her. It was going to be turned into a Chinese restaurant. I thought for the oldest occult shop in the country, that's a tragedy. So I bought it and put some work into it and helped it survive. But people, of course, were like, she bought an occult shop, so she's fully into this, and it's all real. You can tell the truth and talk to people, but they want to believe what they want to believe. What can you do? Uh, since then, uh, she actually sold the shop. She said she no longer has anything to do with it. She said it was a long time ago, but basically she saved the saved the store. Um. At the time this movie was made, actually none of the actors were high school age, but they you know, they fit right in, played those roles perfectly. But I wanted to go over like some uh, little known facts about this. So Faruza Balk, right? So she buys the bookstore. That was one of them. Um, let's see, they were um... Oh yeah, here's a really interesting fact. Angelina Jolie, Scarlett Johansson, and Alicia Silverstone all auditioned for the roles, and none of them got them. So, it went to Robin Tooney, Faruza Balk, and Nev Campbell, and Rachel True. Um, You know, it's kind of weird, because you wonder if, if things had turned out differently, and it, they could have had some bigger stars in there. Would the movie have been the same? Would it have been as edgy? Because um, Alicia Silverstone had just came off of Clueless. And uh, by the time The Craft was released, Clueless was a huge, huge hit already, and that made her kind of a really big star. Um, Angelina Jolie was best known for her role in Hackers, um, and of course, that was that was her big hit at the time. Um, I don't know, but it seems like Scarlett Johansson probably would have been a little young for that role. I mean, isn't she kind of like, I don't know, she would have been like 12 or 13, um, but here's some other interesting facts, uh, that, uh, the deity that was in that movie they mentioned, Manon, uh, was made up by the filmmakers because they didn't want to avoid, fa- uh, uh, avoid offending pagans. So they made the name up instead of using a real deity. So the craft makes the point of dismissing the old notion that witches worship the devil. Uh, tells us, in fact, that they ancient, uh, they worship ancient deities predating the Bible. And this one is called Menon. And so a lot of the moviegoers were curious about this you know, so-called pagan god. So um, nobody could find anything on it because it was an entirely fictional character. But later on, uh, the, the god Menon started showing up in other works of art, like other writings and books. And uh, so, but you know, the first ever mention of it was in this movie, but there were on this movie, like a lot of weird horror films, the cast and crew experienced a lot of strange phenomena, right? So the beach ritual, I uh, come to find out where they were uh, out there at night, lighting the candles and calling the four elements uh, as part of her duties uh, as the crafts onset Wiccan advisor, Pat Devon uh, wrote the rituals performed by the cast. So, these were actual Wiccan rituals that they were putting in the movie. The most memorable of those was the uh when the storm comes on and uh but that took a lot longer to film than they expected um because while they were filming that scene, a lot of like strange things kept happening on set. The cast and crew said they uh saw that the waves began to crash really violently when they started reciting the invocations uh And as soon as the director would yell, cut, because the waves were coming in too violently, they would stop. The waves would stop coming in. Like, it just would end immediately. Uh, They said they had uh, sudden power outages and um, a flock of bats was hovering overhead at one point. Um, But, you know, they said that was all kind of par for the course, I guess, um, with such a weird movie. But, uh, you know, it was kind of kind of odd to think that, you know, especially the waves. That kind of creeped me out when I read that. They're you know, doing incantations and the waves are coming in really hard. Harder than they should. And then as soon as they stop, the waves stop. I don't know. And, you know, the girl who played Rachel True, um, for whatever reason, she's been excluded from the uh, craft promo events and reunions ever since the film. Um, and I don't know if she thinks that's like racism from all the others, but, but she did say that in the wake of the film's success, she found herself excluded from uh, same privileges that her other co-stars had. Her name was le- uh, left off press releases. A lot of times connected to the film. And uh, they didn't invite her to participate in promotional interviews until her, remi- until the co-stars reminded them like a, get her here too. What are you doing? But, uh, she was one of the four major actresses and she was not invited to that year's MTV movie awards. Um, which was odd. Um, uh, but she said since then, she's been left out of cast reunions and fan conventions and festivals. And she said in 2019 on Twitter that being left out of those events didn't just hurt her ego. Uh, but it had directed effect on her, uh, her, you know, her, financial situation where everybody else was still profiting off this movie she was not. Um, The director of the film Andrew Fleming accused uh, Charmed the TV show of ripping the whole film off. So he he really didn't like that at all either. Um, Robin Tooney who was uh, originally cast as Bonnie uh, the girl who had the skin issues um, but she had to be persuaded to play Sarah instead because they ended up Getting Nev Campbell for that role, but um, you know it was a lead role though, Sarah. And she wasn't really even sure she wanted it, but they said they had to talk her into playing the lead, which is weird. It was like reverse Hollywood story where she wanted the smaller part, like they couldn't understand why. But anyway, um, I'm glad they talked her into it. She played the um, the role well. Actually, the film actually was got a, was able to get away with an, a PG-13 rating, but it got an R rating. Uh, only because of the uh, of the ratings board at the time, they just really had this distaste for anything that was black magic. So just because the the content of the movie, like that, you know, just because of the theme of it, black magic, that's why they they uh, they got the R rating. And if one thing that was interesting, I read about, it, I didn't notice this, but the girls' skirts got shorter as their powers increased. That was quite interesting to read. I didn't notice that. I will notice it next time I watch the movie, though. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Right, yeah, this was the other interesting fact. Robin Tooney uh, was wearing a wig throughout the film because she had recently shaved her head for uh, Empire Records. So the interesting thing was, like, so she was the one who played Nancy. Or no, no Robin Tooney it wasn't Nancy. She was uh, she was in, she. so she was Sarah, and in that uh Empire uh, Records. She shaved her head, and she also had like marks on her arms from like self mutilation uh, and suicide attempts. Ironically, when she played Sarah in The Craft, uh, they had to put a wig on her, but because she when she showed up for the role, she like still had like stubble for hair. Um, she uh, still had those same scars, so it was kind of an interesting carryover from her character in Empire Records to uh, uh, the craft. Yeah, so anyway, interesting stuff, you know. Um, of course, you had that scene with all the snakes. They had to use CGI for a lot of that with the bugs because the girls couldn't take that crap. And who could? I don't know. But anyway, when you were in school, did you know any girls that were kind of into Wicked? Did they dress like the Cure? I'm just kind of curious. Inquiring minds want to know. But, you know, since I mentioned the film Heathers before, they shot this film in the same high school where Heathers was filmed. Now, how ironic was that? So, um, anyway, very cool stuff. Um, and this film really helped Nev Campbell in uh, future roles, like as a as a horror superstar, even though she got the, um, you know, the role of Bonnie in this one. Her very next role was Scream. So, pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, so her final... She played Cindy Prescott, uh, the horror icon. And all the Scream sequels. So, yeah, I mean, had she not taken the film and the craft, it really kind of, I don't know, gave her that edge like, to be asked to do that the lead role in Scream. Uh, so that was her first lead role. And I think she was kind of hesitant to take it, from what I read, because she was afraid she'd be typecast. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, (laughs) this is interesting to me. Jackie Chan. Badass Jackie Chan. Uh, At the MTV Award movie for Best Fight Scene, Jackie Chan got beat out by none other than Feruza Balk and Robin Tooney in their fight scene and and, uh, the craft. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Now, there's some little-known facts um, about Fight Club uh, that uh, I thought were quite interesting, too. Um, Sean Penn and Matt Damon almost got the role of the narrator, which was ultimately played by Edward Norton. But it's interesting that those two... It went, how weird would it have been to have a separate narrator other than him? Um Brad Pitt was such a star at the time, his salary was almost seven times higher than Edward Norton's on that film. And uh, Brad Pitt actually volunteered to remove pieces of his front teeth during the movie to make it look more realistic. But anyway, on the set, Edward Norton cracked his thumb hitting Brad Pitt uh, during shooting because Pitt's stomach was really hard at the time. True story. I mean, because he's ripped in that movie, but like, You know, you hit somebody in the torso, you don't expect to hit a brick wall. Um, Yeah. And, of course, Helena Bonham Carter, who played uh, uh, Marla, right? Crazy Marla, was done by the makeup artist with her left hand on Carter's suggestion. Because she believed that her character, Marla, wouldn't really care about putting her makeup on, right? I think Marla probably looks more like uh, Edward Scissorhands, but that's just me. So, um, also, you can find some of these interesting videos on YouTube, but Tyler Durden appeared in the movie five times before he was formally introduced. Four of the times he just appeared in Flashes, and the fifth time was in the welcome video of the hotel, uh, where the narrator was residing. So, um, yeah, kind of interesting stuff. I've, I've seen that movie, I don't know, 20 times, um, you probably, if you have to, you have probably seen Tyler Durden flashing on your screen before he was introduced in the movie. But the, um, you know, the fifth time he appeared was at the welcome video, of the hotel, or the narrator was staying at. Um, actually, I had to notice it too because they were all in like uh, white coats and black bow ties. But on the far right, first row, Tyler Durden. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one of those infamous scenes. This was embarrassing, but the sex scene between Tyler and Marla was done with CGI, and the actors actually spent three days recording orgasmic sounds. How weird would that be? I mean, seriously. How freaking weird would that be? But Fight Club, man, really great film. Um, I think defined the era, the excess, the fact that culture just doesn't care what happens to people. We're all like just a number, man. But... Anyway, awesome films. Did I leave anything out? So what films actually perfectly capture the 90s to you? Uh, let me know. I'm going to do a probably a Substack article on a couple of these. Maybe like The Faculty or something. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of movies. I want to do a quick little short review on on uh, Substack. But if you want to go to Substack, it's cyrusalderwood.substack.com. Feel free to leave me uh, messages on there. Um, or follow me. Uh, yeah, just follow the Gonzo Chronicles. or anywhere you get your uh, podcast, And you can also follow me on YouTube or Twitter. Hey, thanks everybody for uh, hanging around for another episode. Hopefully these are some fun movies that bring back some good memories. They certainly do for me, man, because the 90s were a very fun time. Thanks again. I'll be back soon. Until then, cheers.